Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I am your host, Phil Walsh, and you are listening to episode number 33 of this ongoing podcast series dedicated to the movies, or as I enjoy saying, for the love of movies. And a lot of love for movies this week, a movie in particular. Of course, last week I went on my discussion about A Christmas Story, the classic 1983 film which has become a staple for Christmas movies as well as in my humble opinion one of the greatest films ever made but today on on this week's show on this Thanksgiving week or in this case uh, when you're listening to it most likely the day after Thanksgiving but um, nevertheless first off happy Thanksgiving week hope hope everyone is uh, enjoying a, a bountiful feast with family and and friends and getting to check out some great movies perhaps there's a lot of great films playing uh, as well as streaming and on that point I was able to watch over over the past weekend A Christmas Story Christmas the long-awaited and dare I say official truly official sequel to the classic film and it, it really seems fitting in this era of nostalgia and uh, legacy sequel craze I guess we can I mean I, I don't even want to call it a fad because a fad kind of comes and, and goes we've really been living in this legacy sequel era for quite some time I mean I would almost argue it's been at least seven years now uh, really starting back with uh, the force awakens in in 2015 kind of kick-starting this this era that we find ourselves in where popular franchises are revived after a number of years uh, on the back burner and, and, and sometimes to spectacular heights, Star Wars and, and the sequel trilogy, uh, you know, depending on you know, what you think of the, the, the three films overall, certainly uh, you know, we're, we're financial juggernauts to say the least. But we're, we're all part of that throwback to a, to a, a time in, in, a, in a movie's history or a franchise's history that brought a lot of people into the theaters and, and certainly – that has been a trend over the last number of years, as I have talked about uh, on a number of different shows in the past. Halloween, of course, capitalized on the on the sequel of uh, the legacy sequel craze with Halloween 2018 and the subsequent uh, two sequels, Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends. Again, I would argue those were all all done well and and worthy successors to their to their original namesake. And certainly there have been some films that have come along in the last seven years or so that that have kind of missed the mark. And I'm not going to go into them and in, in, in name names because I want to try to keep this positive in this era, uh, in this uh, season of Thanksgiving and, and, and holiday spirit. But uh, certainly, you know, it's fair to say some legacy sequels have uh, been hits. Others have been misses. Certainly this year's Top Gun Maverick, I think, is kind of the, the creme de la creme. When you are talking about a legacy sequel that is you know, winning over both fans and and uh, and criti- uh, critics alike, as well as just general audience members, I mean, uh, Top Gun Maverick is a is a financial juggernaut, but it was also well made and and well received, and really followed in the footsteps of what came before, while also offering something new and fresh, and and advanced the storyline without without compromising anything that came before, and that has really been the the, the tricky balance in in this era is to be able to uh, to, to to straddle that line between 
having you know your your hits of nostalgia while also moving the story forward and and I would just say just as a as a point of of uh, of criticism and, and again this is coming from someone who who is a huge Star Wars fan and and, and you know, more or less enjoyed all of the the sequel films but I think sometimes there was maybe a little too much nostalgia that they, you know there was too much reliance on on what came before and not enough of, uh, of of an effort to move the narrative forward. But I mean that's just you know that's just a, a, a you know a narrative choice, a creative choice. But it, it is hard because it's it's easy to go for the um, I, I don't want to call it the the you know the cheap shots, but certainly the easy wins when you already have an established property and a franchise to just. Play the familiar hits. I mean, that's what that's what a lot of audiences are going for. Again, I would argue in the case of say Halloween ends in particular, there was a right, there was a, truly a, a right balance of, of both nostalgia and also moving the narrative forward, where there's more subtlety and kind of winks and nods to stuff that came before, not kind of outright in your face. Oh, this happened, this happened. Remember this, remember this. And you know, again, sometimes it works in a film. Sometimes. It, it doesn't now on of course the case of a Christmas story this is a film that I was I was very uh, uh, nervously excited for J- just because I have such a reverence for the first film it is a it is a part of my Christmas viewing uh, every year and and as I said it's one of my all-time favorite films and I think it is one of the one of the greatest films ever made and I, I make no apology for that so Fair to say, I I, uh, I I had a lot of riding on this film in terms of uh, expectations. Even though I I always try to keep them in check, but I I can't help myself. There are certain things where, just you know, you just sort of are ready to you know you know, you know jump through the roof with excitement. You know, Halloween, of course, being uh, one of those cases. But you know, nevertheless, a, a Christmas Story Christmas was one of those. Uh, films that I did not have on my bingo card, so to speak. It, it, it sort of appeared, it, it, it was announced, and then it, it stayed below the radar. Uh, and I have to say, I, I, I actually, you know, had forgotten that it was coming out this year until, uh, you know, rumblings in the trailer uh, and teasers started to drop back in the early fall. And then I said, oh, that's right, this is coming out. So again, you know, your your, your nostalgia starts uh, to kick up and your excitement starts to build and it's the anticipation, especially, of course, with the, uh, you know, much of the original cast more or less returning. Of course, Peter Billingsley coming back as Ralphie Parker and sort of the painstaking uh, focus and, and attention to detail on the production to, to recreate the famous home and, and create... Uh, a sense that yes, this is a true follow-up to the original film. So I, I was very, uh, I was very excited. I was very, uh, you know, nervous at the same time because I think we all, you know, know what happens when we, when we, when we set our expectations uh, too high. They often are never, um, you know, they're, they're often never, um, you know, they're often never met. But you know, never, nevertheless. Um, you know, I was I I was ready for this film, and uh, before I uh, before I unwrap it, uh, let me as always do a little bit of a little bit of housekeeping as well as a little bit of a uh, 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 momentary uh, uh, boasting, if if you will. But but first to the housekeeping, uh, as always, if you have not done so already, feel free to rate and review this podcast. Uh, you can also subscribe 
and follow along. I'm uh, on Twitter, still on Twitter, uh, despite all that's going on. I'm still there. Uh, you can follow me on my personal handle, which is Phil Cast Movies, um, and you can also follow along the show, which is Phil at the Movies. But I am I am much more active on my uh, on my personal uh, handle. I've also joined a couple, um, you know, a couple other new uh, uh, social media platforms. I am on Hive now, again, kind of having all the backups in the event that Twitter does uh, does go down uh, like the Titanic. So you can follow me on on Hive. It's just at Phil Walsh. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram, which is uh, uh, Philly W six zero three two L's uh, in in, uh, in Philly. So you can. Uh, Follow me, uh, follow me there, and I'll I'll post the uh, the the links in the in the notes. But uh, as always, just a a shout out um, to to you, the listeners, because I I I am so grateful and so appreciative of your support and your encouragement and your your following of this show. Uh, it, it, as I've said before, and I will say it again. I know I sound like a broken record, but. This is a passion project for me. I enjoy watching movies. I enjoy talking about them. I enjoy doing this little uh, uh, this little show, and you know, it's it, it's it's for fun. It's it's all it's all uh, you know for the love of movies. But to have the response and the feedback and and just the warm embrace of you, the listeners, uh, many, you know, many I have no idea you know who you are. You don't know who I am outside of outside of the voice coming in your ear and and. I you know don't know you necessarily outside of you know um, anonymous comments or whatnot on on either social media or something like that. But uh, nevertheless, I am I am just profoundly grateful and appreciative for your support and and just just embrace of this show. And I am uh, I am I'm excited and I'm pleased and I'm humbled to to say that we have now crossed a, a small small milestone uh, in, in the. Uh, in the podcasting world, if you if you will, and that is, we've now uh, crossed over one thousand downloads and and climbing. Actually, I think we're now up to around ten uh, ten twenty as of the uh, recording of this show. But over a thousand downloads. So uh, in uh, you know just under a year, that's you know, that's that's not bad in my book. So, but it it really is a testament to you, the listeners, and and your. And your response to this show. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, to all of the listeners, to all of the friends who are supporting. Again, you know who you are, but but thank you. Thank you so much for your continued support of this show. I will keep doing this as long as I as long as I can, as long as I have my voice. Uh, I, I will still be here talking about movies and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully you're enjoying the show and uh I may be getting something out of it as well. All right. So with that, thank you uh, again as always. Uh, now let me let me unwrap this uh, this present, which is a Christmas story, Christmas. And like I said, I I was very uh, I don't want to say apprehensive, but I I I went into it trying to keep my expectations in in check because again, we all know what happens when we set them too high, and. Right from the moment it started, I knew this was going to be a special film. What I mentioned earlier, the attention to detail. This was not something that was thrown together 
on a back lot. Okay. This was not something that was sort of rushed, you know, you know, uh, you know, you know, five days here, five days, five days there. Peter Billingsley, who fun fact was the co-writer for this. So again, really does show you the dedication and appreciation from the original actor that he wanted to be involved in the writing of the script and, and, and the telling of this story. He and the crew painstakingly commissioned exact replicas of, of the house from the original film. So it isn't like, you know, some movies where, you know, it looks like you've been there, but, but there's, there's changes. This looks like the original home. This looks like the original neighborhood that Ralphie and his friends grew up on. It, 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 it's, it's a beautiful replica. Of course, it's not the original home. It's not the original uh, neighborhood, but it looks like it. I mean, again, if I hadn't you know, known that it had been recreated, I would have said, okay, they, they went right back and they just they shot it on the same location. This film was actually shot uh, in in both Hungary and and Bulgaria, uh, so again wasn't even wasn't even shot in the original location. So again, the fact that they took the time and the effort to recreate both the, the neighborhood setting, the house, even just the the the, the downtown uh, square, Higby's uh, Higby store, the Santa Claus setting at the mall, again all recreated so it looks like it is right there and again the film is set you know some you know 25 or so years after after the original after the original film so this is like 1933 so it's like you know 25 30 years later after the events of the original film and it looks like we're right there in 1973 America just again the clothes, the cars, the way the, the Christmas decorations looks like nothing feels cheap. Nothing feels like it has been flown in, so to speak, from from 21st century America. It, there is a a beautiful, painstaking effort to recreate both the the feeling and look of the original film, and a sense that this is taking place some 30 years after the original film. So, right off right off the bat, I said, okay. All, all the lights are working. <laughs> nothing is uh, nothing is out of sorts. We're we're looking good so far. And from there, it, it just it continues. You know, Peter Billingsley he just seamlessly steps in and and portrays now an adult version of, of Ralphie Parker, who is you know the, the backstory is he's he's a, a struggling writer and he's trying to get his manuscript published and he's given himself a year deadline. And again. You know he's you know sort of you know it's it's classic Ralphie. He has these you know, grandiose visions and ideas of what his life will be like and how you know he'll you know write the next you know uh, great American novel and his life will be transformed. And again, it's it's a page right out of the original film. It still feels like very much okay. This is this is the Ralphie Parker that grew up, but of course now he's got a wife and he has two kids and and it's really. You know, just this idea of okay, a family that is you know just you know struggling to make ends meet, struggling to, to to get ready for Christmas, and and that's sort of what they have to look forward to. And then, of course, the the real uh, the, the real emotional trigger for the story begins, and what really sets the events in motion, and that is the uh, the in story death of, of of Ralphie's father. Of course, uh, Darren McGavin had passed away. In two thousand and and I think five or six, and so 
uh, obviously it would you know you weren't going to have him in there and and you weren't going to recast this uh this this, this actor this for this character because he he is the old man he he was the old man you aren't going to aren't going to find someone to 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 replicate it so the story is built around the idea or around the 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 piece of of Ralphie's father having passed away shortly before christmas and rather than his his mom and and you know his father who had been you know planning to come out there uh and be with Ralphie's family for christmas in the city Ralphie and his family decide to head back to his homestead in Homan, Indiana, and spend Christmas with his mother and try to, you know, you know, bring the family, uh, you know, through this dark time. Which again, you know, it, it's it, it was a, a tricky balance because I was wondering how they were going to pay tribute to to both Darren McGarren, but also just the character himself and and right off the bat i mean i i you know i was i was getting emotional and and just saying okay like it just felt like a natural you know effort story was it wasn't like they were trying to just say oh he's you know been dead a couple of years like it worked in terms of the narrative and and again from there you know ralphie is trying to put on a brave face he's trying to hold his family together his brother randy is in the process of trying to come back from being overseas and be home with the family and so like in in the midst of all of this uh, uh of this of this drama and this uh you know a sense of mourning ralphie is trying to pull the family together and, and celebrate a christmas and, and his mother is really instrumental in in trying to get him to to, to do that because she wants you know she says it's what his his father his father would have would, would have uh, would have wanted and, and and Julie Haggerty really does a does a fine job I think of of playing uh, his mother of course uh, uh, Melinda Dillon had retired from acting and so she wasn't in the movie but this was a case where the recast it worked it felt like it, it, you know again if you didn't know any if you didn't know better you might say it was the same. Uh, actress because she really does a, 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 an incredible job of playing this character now 33 years later she's a grandmother she's older and and it just it works and, it, and it's still the same kind of you know charm and 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 flair that that his mother had in the original film so again you know hats off hats off there i thought that was uh i thought that was really well done and it's you know during this um during this point that uh ralphie is is reunited with um uh, his friends uh, from from the original film. There's uh, Schwartz and then um, and, and Flick, and again both played by the original actors. So there is that 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 nice sense of everybody you know coming back for this story and everybody uh, you know being together again. Um, and, and you know another one uh, in terms of a, a cameo that was handled well is uh, Zach Ward, and and he plays uh, Scott Farkas, who was a you know, kind of a childhood bully. Uh, of of Ralphie back in in the original film, and he's now a police officer, and they had this great scene together where, you know, this this sort of this subplot where Ralphie is trying to find a Chris a star to put in the Christmas tree, and then the star breaks, and then he's got to go find one on Christmas Eve, and he ends up you know you know breaking into the to the bar of um of of his friends, and and you know knows he has a star, so he takes the star, and then ends up you know getting caught by the police and then of course the officer is scott farkas and so there's this weird little like oh my god you know what's going to happen and 
you know, uh, Farkas is really, this, you know, he's really this you know, stereotypical bully in the first film, uh, but, you know, really menacing and, 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 and well acted. And so now we get to see the character, you know, 33 years later, same actor. And they really had this, this really nice sentimental scene where uh, Farkas essentially apologizes to Ralphie for being uh, pretty much a jackass to him when they were, when they were younger and kind of uh, attributes him, you know, because Ralphie in the original film stands up to, to Farkas and ends up, you know, you know, cleaning his clock, so to speak. Uh, and, and Farkas says, you know, that day I realized I had to get my life in line and I owe it all, all, all to you. So it's this nice kind of little moment, which again is a nice hat tip to nostalgia, but it's not, it's not overdone. And, and, and that to me, to build on a larger point, was what I really liked about this film. It, it, it felt right. You know, it didn't feel like they were overdoing uh, the nostalgia. It felt like they had they managed to strike a, a perfect balance between showing you familiar things that you remember, like um, you know, there's there's a scene up in the attic where there's the a glimpse of the lampshade uh, that from you know the old man's leg lamp. We can see the Red Rider BB gun in in the corner. You know, it's not overt. It's just subtle little nods. Even again, like the scene with 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 Farkas, it's not not overplayed. It's really a nice, sentimental, really character uh, driven scene, and um, you know, even the even Ralphie's uh, you know kind of uh, daydreams that he would have as a kid, those appear. You know, those are redone in this film, but it's never. It, it feels like a natural progression. Even the scene at at Higby's, which again painstaking effort to recreate the look of the original right down to the Santa Claus uh, display. Even that felt, again, it was just, again, looks familiar, nice, you know, uh, you know, costuming, everything's there, but it, but it, it kind of takes it to the next level. And, you know, Ralphie makes the, 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 the you know, the, the, you know, gives the sage advice to his uh, kids before they go see Santa. Oh, don't let him hit you in the, you know, kick you in the face, which, you know, again, just little subtle callbacks to the original film without overdoing it. And again, that kind of ties into my point I mentioned earlier, where a lot of these legacy sequels will tend to just sort of hit the the gas and, and, and drive you through, you know, drive you down memory lane. And, oh, do you see that? And this, that scene, and this character's here, and bing, 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 without any real heart and 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 story behind it and that i can say you know did not happen with with this film there was just the right amount of nostalgia to be like okay we're we're right back in in the world of a christmas story while also moving the stair, uh, moving the story you know, forward in a way and and you know not to say there's going to be a you know a third one i mean again who knows in today's world but i mean it's not done in a way to like okay well we're we're just continuing the narrative for parts three four and five no it, this feels like a natural evolution it ties into the themes of the original film and and stays true to the character we have ralphie now narrating the story so to speak whereas the, the the voice of adult Ralphie from the original film was the author Gene Shepard, and so it kind of feels like a nice uh, kind of you know coming full circle with Ralphie, um, you know, telling the story 
uh, of of his time, you know, at, at Christmas and being a father and trying to to be there for his kids and have you know give them the perfect Christmas. And it, you know, it, it's it's one of those situations where you know because I've I've read like what they were debating about because apparently this has been in the works for for years, which is not surprising considering the success and, and the love for this film. I mean, it, it it's it's it makes complete sense that there would be a, a sequel of, of some sorts. And yes, there was, of course, uh, you know, my summer story and the, uh, you know, dare I say, unofficial uh, direct-to-video sequel that came out a number of years ago. But to have a, a, a direct, a, a true follow-up to this film uh, has, you know, it, one, it makes sense, but two, it's it's been in the works for a long time. And, and interestingly enough, Peter Billingsley, who I mentioned was uh, the co-writer on it he said they went through many many different drafts uh, and and iterations before they settled on on this story because they wanted to get it right they didn't want to just capitalize on the success and and nostalgia of a christmas story without delivering something that felt like a worthy success or you know a follow-up a real true sequel and he said one of the ideas that was batted around but they ultimately passed on was the idea of Again, moving the story forward a number of years and having adult Ralphie want something for Christmas. So, you know, kind of the, the yin and yang to the original film, whereas, you know, in the first one, he's a kid, he wants the Red Rider BB gun. And then in the you know, proposed sequel, it'd be adult Ralphie wanting something. And, and that's that, that would just completely miss the point. And, and what the beauty of a Christmas story is is that it's it's a story, you know? It, it's it's a Christmas story. It's it's one particular Christmas during this this family's life in this kid's life, and you know the implication, of course, being that there are other stories, and that's kind of gets to the real theme of this film, where there's a really touching subplot where Ralphie is trying to write the obituary for his dad again. The, the 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 beautiful tribute to 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 Darren McGavin and the old man w- was just oh, it was it was exquisite it was so well done and meaningful and it honored the character it honored the actor and it made him a central part of the story even though the, the actor of course uh, is no longer with us the subplot Ralphie's trying to write the obituary and he just can't find the words he can't do it I mean this is a guy who's trying to be a writer, he's trying to sell his manuscript, and yet he can't write a simple obituary to honor his father. And so right up against uh, another deadline, he ends up just sort of turning out this, uh, you know, essentially a long-form story and and then doesn't end up submitting it, but his, uh, his wife ultimately submits it to the paper and rather than run it as, as a as a column in the obituary section, it ends up running as a full page story in the Christmas day newspaper. And it's this beautiful, loving tribute to Ralphie's father and, and what he, what his father meant to him, to his family and what his father meant to him during one particular Christmas. And it really crescendos nicely with this, this ending where again, you know, Ralphie, you know, his arc really is to try to, you know, become, you know, not necessarily become his his old man, but but more or less, you know, you know, carry on the legacy of his father, and that that is, you know, perfectly encapsulated at the end of the film where he's sitting down in the old man's chair, and 
during this particular scene where the whole family has reunited and they're together again, Ralphie's mother asks him, would you please read the, you know, the story that you wrote about your father? And, and he does, and he starts reading it. And the, 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 the twist, or I don't think you really can call it a twist, but the, 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 the wonderful Christmas surprise, if you will, is that the story that Ralphie wrote that's in, the, that's in the newspaper and that he is telling to his family about his old man is, in fact, a story about the Christmas from the original movie. And as Ralphie is talking, it ultimately overlaps and, and fades into the opening narration from the original Christmas story. And so it's really this kind of beautiful segue into the original film while honoring the original film while telling what happened after the original film. And I mean, really, you could watch both films back to back, but you really could watch this film, the sequel, and then watch the 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 original because it transitions so beautifully and effortlessly because you're now seeing it come full circle this is ralphie recalling his memories ralphie recalling his time as a child ralphie recalling this one particular christmas where he got the red rider bb gun and all of his memories of his father and his family and his mom his brother and his friends at christmas time in home in indiana and it was just it was perfect i mean i i I had tears in my eyes by the end of it because it was just so sweet and it was so, so innocently sentimental. And it just, it it just gives you all that, all the Christmas and holiday feels and it it, it just, it delivered. This film delivered. It, It is what a legacy sequel can be. It's what legacy sequels should strive to be full of heart, full of humor, full of Christmas magic and joy. And again, honors what came before, but doesn't overdo it, doesn't oversell it. Honors it and then moves the story forward and and somehow enhances it. Now that's a tricky balance. Some films, like I said, have, have succeeded where others have have uh, fallen short. But you know, this was a case where of... of you know, was this film ever going to top the original Christmas story? Of course not. But here's the fact of the matter. Didn't have to. Didn't have to make a carbon copy of the original. Didn't have to. I mean, it would have been very easy to have just copy and pasted the original blueprint from A Christmas Story and, and updated it for either the modern age or, you know, flash forward to 1973. But that would have been a cop-out. That would have been, it would have been cheap. This film doesn't try to be uh, a carbon copy. It doesn't try to replicate or reproduce the magic of the original. Instead, it honors a Christmas story. And that, to me, is what a legacy sequel should always try to be. Honor what came before and then enhance it. And truly, with that ending and the tribute to the old man, it really felt... Again, like we've come full circle. And and just, oh, what a way to kick off the holiday season. I know it was still mid-November when I watched this, but it was it was such a great way to start the Christmas season and to really get into the get into the holiday spirit. I I I mean I mean I I I was laughing, I was smiling, I was giggling during this film and I it 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 made me cry. It really did. It was 
it was so well done. And I, I think that was what surprised me the most was that it really it really pulled it off. And, and you know, not to say that I had my doubts, but I mean, I think we've seen what happens where there's always these cash grabs to try to just justify a, a franchise's existence in the modern era uh, you know, or justify a sequel when there doesn't need to be. Uh, this was a, this was the sequel we 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 you know didn't know we needed, and, uh, and I'm so glad we we got because it again it, it doesn't try to be a Christmas story 2.0. It is simply telling again like the original a beautiful story about family and friends at Christmas time and the joys of being together and truly what magic. That is, and how at Christmas time it is all about memories. It is all about looking back on the Christmases that came before, while also building new memories. If you have, you know, if you have children, creating new memories with them, and looking forward to what will be coming, looking forward to experiencing Christmas through their eyes, and all the joy and magic uh, of Christmas morning, and and of really the entire holiday season. And and that's what was that was what was delivered here. Just a a warm, beautiful, sentimental film that that doesn't lean too heavy into the nostalgia factor, just strikes the right balance and, and then delivers a beautiful message of family, of, of coming together and standing together through grief and trauma and ultimately looking back, not with, with pain, but with laughter and joy and, and pure happiness at all the memories you have and then realizing that those memories will carry you through into the future and allow you to make new memories and build uh, new times with family and friends and I, I mean <laughs> damn it this 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 was this was a this was well done this was well crafted and hats off to everyone involved and especially to Peter Billingsley because you could tell this was a passion project for him. This was not about, let's just justify a sequel. This was about getting it right. And the fact that they went through draft after draft, story pitch after story pitch, to tell this story and to get it right, not just to make it a a Christmas story 2.0, but to really move it forward, to justify something that would be worthy. And they did it. Damn it, they did it. It's a five-star film for me I, again as a fan of the original film this movie delivered it enhanced the original film in more ways than i could have possibly imagined and gave us gave me that wonderful christmas glow and i i still have it even after you know four or five days later i still have the christmas spirit uh <laughs> running through me so i encourage you to check out this film i encourage you to check out the original if you have not done so already and i say watch them i mean you could watch them back to back i really think watch a christmas story christmas and then watch a christmas story because it really does all overlap together and and ties it up in a nice beautiful christmas bow okay well with that i think i have a I have said all I have to say. This this Christmas tree is uh, is decorated. The lights are strung. The star is shining on on top. I think this tree is ready to go. So on that note, I will sign off on this Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. That's when this episode 
is dropping. So uh, happy, happy, wishing you all, hope it was a great Thanksgiving, wishing each and every one of you a happy and safe holiday season. Again, as always, thank you from uh, the bottom of my heart for your continued support of this podcast. I am truly grateful for you, the listeners, mean the world to me. And uh, as always, I'll be back on Friday. More films to talk about next week. Lots of great uh, great films to unwrap and uh, uh, string, <laughs> string-like lights, if you will. Again, really twisting the, <laughs> the Christmas metaphors uh, this time of year. But uh, you know, bear, bear with me uh, if you don't mind. Uh, on that note, I shall sign off. And until next week, everybody, take care, be well, stay safe. And as always, check out some movies, lots of great things playing, and lots of great things streaming. Bye-bye.